Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We are in a series right now called Every Little Thing, and we just launched this last week, and so if it's your first Sunday with us, you can always go back on our website and watch that first message. But just a quick recap, Pastor Neil launched us into this series on Every Little Thing, and he talked about the little thing of money. And what does that look like when we have this understanding that every little thing is actually God's? If he made the earth, if he made the heavens, if he made you and I, because that's what the Bible says and we believe the word of God, then really what we have in our pockets, what we have in our bank account, in our pocketbook, all of those things, that's also God's. And so how should we use our money? How should we steward our money? How should we look at that? And today I'm going to be talking about something that I would actually argue is probably a little bit more valuable than money. And I say that for two reasons. The first being that people actually use their money to buy and save on this one in particular thing. The other reason why I would argue that what we're talking about today is probably a little bit more valuable than money is that if you were to ever meet someone or ask someone who had been given a diagnosis of just a matter of months to live, what they would want more of, they probably wouldn't tell you money, but they'd probably tell you time. And so today we're talking on time and we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. So if you want, you can go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17. But our world is obsessed with saving on time. We want to do everything fast, probably not just because we're obsessed with going fast, but we're also a little obsessed with getting things done so that we can do more. And so we've got things like fast food, we've got things like drive throughs and Uber Eats and Instant Cart. And I'm not knacking on these things, okay? I use Instant Cart and I love it because I get done ordering my groceries online and it says at the end, congratulations, you've sh- saved two hours of shopping. And I'm like, yes. Two hours where I didn't have to get in my car and go to a store and buy groceries and all of that stuff. But we have cars that travel up to 100 miles an hour and then some. And get this, I forgot to mention this in first service and it's such a fun fact for me. I met someone uh, or someone shared with me the other day that their husband, at one point, his full-time job, this is what he did, assembled IKEA furniture. Now, some of you are like, I don't get it, and it's because you've never bought anything from Ikea. (laughs) Because I remember when my husband and I first got married, I thought, I'm going to do a really nice thing. I'm going to put together these end tables that we just bought from Ikea. Five hours later, and I thought, my whole day is wasted. I just spent forever trying to assemble this furniture. And so we are constantly trying to do things that save us on time. Recently, I read an article by Michael Dempsey, and this is what he, he quoted from Mike Bannister. He said, uh, people have always wanted to travel fast ever since the first person galloped across the plains on horseback. And he starts talking about how we're actually itching closer to getting to a point where we're going to launch yet again a path passenger airplane, jet plane, that travels as fast as the speed of sound. Why we need that, I don't really know. But you're going to have some people who are going to, to them, it's worth paying the ticket to get from New York to London in just a matter of hours. And it's like an $8,000, $9,000, $10,000 ticket. Because if they can have more time on their vacation, less time on the plane, why not? 
Let's save on time. Our time is precious. And oftentimes we don't know how valuable our time is until our time has been wasted. Some of you are thinking right now, I hope this girl doesn't waste my time this morning, right? (laughs) We value our time. It's so precious. So if we really believe that every little thing is God's, then we would believe that our time is also his. And so it's important to know how he views our time, what he wants us to do with the time that he gave us. And so that's why we're looking at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. But also I wanna point out that we're constantly wrestling with these two ideas. One is wrestling with culture, ways of culture, the thought of culture, and then wrestling with biblical thought and the ways of God. Culture says that, hey, If you worked for it, it's yours. If you bought it, it's yours. Yours, 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 yours. What's mine is mine. And we're selfish with the things that we have. Perhaps you have a talent and you've worked really hard to practice on something and build these abilities and whatever. And you're like, this is mine and this is for me. And God would say, no, no. In fact, the word of God says this in Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Every little thing belongs to God. Every little thing. That's biblical thought. That's what we read about in the word of God. And so as we look at Ephesians, we're going to see more specifically what it looks like to live in accordance to God's word with our time. And so if you are able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, I'm gonna read in the NLT translation and standing doesn't make it more holy or not. It just, we like to show reverence for God's word. This is what it says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Let's pray. God, we come before you today and we are so grateful for your word. We would be so lost without it. So God, I pray that you would guide this message, that you would touch our hearts, convict our hearts today. Teach us, oh God, your ways and help us to remember that all that this world has is yours. We surrender to you today. We give you all the glory for everything said and done in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You might be thinking, okay, what does that passage we just read in Ephesians have to do with time? Well, if we actually look at this same passage in a different translation, in the NIV translation, it says this in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we see that time and opportunity have been used here in both of these passages. And it's because time and opportunity are really, they're interchangeable here. They're meant to mean the same thing. In fact, we see this same translation take place in another part of the Bible. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So here is the the first kind of picture I want to paint for everyone this morning. It's this. Your time is opportunity. Your time is opportunity. And more importantly, it's opportunity given to you by God. God has given you and me opportunity. If you're breathing and you've got life, you still have some opportunities. God still has time and opportunity for you. 
So when we go back to Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17, it's important to understand the full context as to what we're reading here because it starts with the word so. When we first read that verse 15, it starts with the word so, and I'm not an English major here, but here's what I do know. You can't just read what comes after the so. You kind of need to know what comes before the so to understand the full picture. And so we're going to look at Ephesians and narrow in more specifically to chapter 5 before we get to verses 15 through 17. Because we have to remember the Bible wasn't originally written with chapters and verses. We know it's really convenient for us to use today because I get to reference a piece of scripture and you get to look it up and we can be on the same page talking about something. But Paul, the author of Ephesians, he didn't mark down, oh, this is verse one and two and three and that kind of thing. So we need to really read it as an entire letter. But first I want to share with you what Chuck Swindle says about the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians really deals with a lot of topics of what it means to be a Christian. And I think that's a great place to look, a great place to read when we're trying to understand what is biblical thought versus what is cultural thought. So this is what he says. He says, the book of Ephesians hits on a wide range of moral and ethical behaviors designed to ensure believers are living up to our heavenly calling. As we continue in our faith from day to day, month to month and year to year, the temptation to get comfortable will always exist. However, Paul presented the gift of God in Christ and the benefits we receive so clearly that we cannot help but ask ourselves if our lives reflect that reality as they should. Are we living a life where our time, where our money, all of those things reflect biblical truth or does it go along with the culture? And so let's check this out. Just a reminder for you, again, Paul is the author of Ephesians, but Paul wasn't always Paul. In fact, in the book of Acts, we read of a man named Saul. Saul and Paul, same person. (laughs) Saul actually, though, was a man who hated Christians, hated Christians. He persecuted Christians. It was his life mission and goal to get rid of Christians. He was against the movement of Christ. And then one day, God radically gets a hold of his life and he does a complete 180. And now we see Saul, who was a man persecuting Christians, becoming Paul, being renamed by God. And now he's on fire for Jesus and he is telling everyone about Jesus. He is shining the light of Christ wherever he goes. He's going on all of these journeys and traveling to different places just to share the love of Jesus with people, just to start churches and disciple and all of these incredible things. One day he travels to Ephesus, and Ephesus is no small town of like 20 to 30 people. In fact, some people say that back then it was probably maybe even the second largest city known to them at that time. So however many people, a good number of people, he helps to start the church there. He's only there for a little while, continues to travel and do ministry, and one day he ends up in prison. Okay, And so currently while writing the book of Ephesians, this letter, he's in prison. And we know that because in chapters 3 and 4 and verses 1, he references his imprisonment. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner, and he continues to write. And so Paul, writing this letter, he doesn't know his fate. He doesn't know what tomorrow is going to bring. He has no idea what his future holds right now. But he feels encouraged. He feels motivated to go and write back to the people of Ephesus to encourage them, 
And what I started to notice in this letter that Paul is writing is that when we start focusing in and really seeing kind of around chapter five, there's these two ideas that he is really hitting on. The first is he's reminding people, he's reminding followers of Christ to be imitators of Christ. Just like a child imitates their father or their mother, so should we imitate Christ. I love this analogy now because I have a one-year-old and she is at the point where, you know, she can wave hi and bye and we're playing peekaboo and we'll do something, you know, and she'll try to mimic and copy us. And sometimes it's cute. Other times it's scary because you realize, wow, my kid's really watching me. <laughs> but it's the same idea. And he's saying that we are to imitate Christ in that same manner. Do what he did. Talk like he talked. Walk like he walked. All of those things. And then Paul starts to remind us that if we've truly been saved from darkness, then we would live and walk like children in the light. And Paul is one to know, okay? <laughs> because Paul used to be Saul, clearly living in a very dark world, and he was radically changed for God's kingdom and God's will, and he's reminding his fellow believers, live, live like you're in the light. If you've really been saved, live like it. Shine that light. Share that light. Be an imitator of Christ and live as children in the light. So, this is where we get to where we read this morning. So, be imitators, or excuse me, so be careful how you live. Redeem the time because the days are evil. This time that you have, this time that you've been given, it's an opportunity to be like Christ and to shine his light. You know what the definition of redeem is? It's to take back, regain possession of. And I just wonder how many of us in here today need to take back our time. Well, take back the time that God gave us because it's slowly being sucked into things that really, in the grand scheme of life, don't matter. And why would we care about this? Why would we talk about this? Well, I would argue that probably second to Jesus, one of the greatest gifts that God gave us was time. It was opportunity. We didn't have to. God loves to use us for the glory of his kingdom and the expansion of his kingdom. God has given you and me time. He's given us opportunity. What I think is kind of cool is that time works the same for all of us. Okay, so something fun real quick. If you have someone sitting next to your right, look at them real quick. If you have someone sitting next to your left, look at them. If you don't have anyone sitting by you, maybe you're at home watching online, just picture someone, anyone, anybody, okay? Listen, it doesn't matter if that person was seven or if that person was in their 70s. If they look like you, talk like you, walk like you, have the same background as you, none of that matters. That person, fun fact, also has 24 hours in their day. They have seven days in their week, 52 weeks in a year, etc. Time works the same for all of us, although what we can't say is that we all have the same amount of time. In fact, this is what the Bible also says in Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The brevity of life. Life is but a breath. Goes fast. 
What's cool is Psalm 90 and Ephesians 5 both talk of time and wisdom. It's almost like they go hand in hand. Billy Graham says this about time. Time can be our tool, but we can also be its slave. And I think to make the most of our opportunity to redeem the time that God gave us, to use it to be an example of Christ and an extension of Christ to those around us, that, that would be to use time wisely, right? But I think for some of us, maybe we're in this constant place where we're like, oh, you know, right now it's noon, is she almost done? I got things to do, places to go, this, this, and this, and this. And we're always getting on to the next thing. And it's like, before you know it, we're a slave to time. And, and to live that way would be unwise. Teach us to number our days, O oh God. Why would scripture tell us to do that? Proverbs 27, 1 says this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. I wonder how many of us have thought, well, I'll do that tomorrow, right? I'll do that next week. I'll aim for that next year. You know, I work with students. I'm a youth pastor. Work with. That sounds so weird. <laughs> I love on students. And I talk to them often, and a lot of times for them, it can feel like, well, my, my, my calling or my purpose, uh, I, ca I can do that when I get to college. And it's like, what, what about right now, you know? It doesn't, your purpose and opportunity and all of those things doesn't start when you get a degree. It doesn't start when you graduate. It's right now. God is saying your opportunity is right now. The time that you have right now, a gift from God given to you to imitate Christ and to be his light. Right now, this is the opportunity that God gave you. I recently read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a really great book. And John Comer says these few things, and I just want to mention them. He says, how does counting your days give you wisdom? Pace yourself. Narrow your focus. Guard your margin. Value quality interaction. Become more intentional about what you do. And then I love this. Make sense that if you count your days, you will make them count. Count your days. Make them count. I was once at a conference, and Orange is a curriculum that is used in the church world. And they, I was at some you know, conference, right? And they did this. They had a big jar of marbles. And they used this illustration to help show parents and anyone that works with children or teenagers that you really don't have a lot of time. I think it's something crazy like 900 and some total weeks that you have with a child from, age, from zero to 18, you know? Because it's this idea that hopefully when they turn 18, they're gone, right? They're out of the house. <laughs> uh, and they're, they've got this foundation that you've helped to work and grow in them. And so it's kind of scary because, like, if you think about it, um, every week, you know, weeks go fast. We're already three weeks into the new year. So you would take out, you know, three of those marbles and realize, wow, before you know it, this jar is getting empty. And I know not everyone in here has kids. And so for today, I'd like us to look at this jar as if it's us. And each marble represents, maybe for now, the weeks that we have left. And I know this sounds kind of doomsday, okay? So bear with me. I know we all understand, whether you're a Christian or not, we understand that we don't live forever, <laughs> 
So I'm trying to paint this picture that, that we only have so much time, only have so much opportunity, and we can't bank on opportunity for tomorrow. But here's, here's the idea, right? Like, and there's maybe 200 marbles in here. I had my husband count up to 100 last night, and then I thought, that's not enough. Put more in there. So there's like maybe 200 in here. So you got 200 weeks. Ooh. It's not a lot of time, but it's some time, right? Do you start thinking differently about the things that fill up your calendar and about the things that you use your time on? Now, what if I were to tell you that these marbles represented days? Yikes. Now we're talking just the rest of this year, maybe. Am I doing the things that God has called me to do? Am I listening to his voice, leaning into his presence? Because time goes quickly, right? And we won't always have tomorrow. So it makes sense that if we count our days, we will, we will make them count. I want to kind of wrap up with this story in the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan. And this story is used a lot in different messages. And I want to read it to you today. And I want you to listen to this story through the lens of opportunity. So you can close your eyes, you can follow along in scripture. I'm reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Check this out. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. Lean in here. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead by the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed the wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I can't help but think that the priest and the temple assistant both missed an opportunity. But when I looked again at the scripture, they didn't just miss the opportunity They chose to ignore the opportunity. It says they both saw the man lying there. They looked at him, someone so beaten and bruised, laying there half dead, and they chose to walk to the other side. Could it be that they walked to the other side, that they chose to ignore the opportunity because they knew the cost of inconvenience to them? They knew that perhaps it would just take too much of their time?
the good Samaritan, he stops. He bandages his wounds. He puts them on his donkey. He takes him and travels with him to an inn. He tells the innkeeper, here's some money. By the way, I'll come back and pay you more if there's a bigger bill that's due. We don't know if that guy was coming back in that direction, what his plans were, what he had going on. An opportunity to imitate Christ, to be like Christ, to shine his light, to share his light. And I just think, God, have I missed it? Have there been moments in my life where I have, where I have seen an opportunity and just chosen to ignore it because I've been selfish with my time? Help me to remember, it's not my time. It's yours. The time that you gave me is opportunity for me to be like Christ, to shine his light. Every little thing, every little thing is God's. Redeeming the time means that we're careful in how we live. Seizing every opportunity to bring glory to God. My big so what, it's my main point for today, just so it's easy to remember, it's this. Time is more than minutes. Time is opportunity. Time is more than minutes. Time is opportunity. My husband does this best. My husband, Chris, uh, I know some people think like, oh, you're the pastor. How does that work, you know? But he still very much challenges me to live and be more like Christ. In fact, I would say he is better when we go outside these walls, when we're outside of the church, he is better at making the most of the opportunities to connect with people and love on people, show them Jesus. I'll share this one example, but honestly, I have so many. In the dead of winter, a year ago, I was eight months pregnant. You know, and of course it gets dark out at like four, you know, so we're leaving our house. It's before Christmas and we're walking outside of our house. And just at the time of walking outside of our house, getting into our car, our mailman is coming and he is dropping off our mail in our mailbox. And Chris goes, hey man, what's your name? And I'm like, oh no, I know exactly where this is going, right? And I'm thinking he didn't start the car uh, I'm pregnant, hello, it's cold, it's dark. Did I mention it's my birthday dinner we're going to? People have planned for us. I'm the guest of honor, okay? I can't be late. And he's talking to this guy, and he's like, hey, tell me about what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend, my kids, blah, blah, And they're just getting close. And, and then he's like, is there anything that I could pray for you about? And I'm like, not the prayer. No, here we are. Ah. Uh, we're praying for him. Long story short, we have an amazing relationship with our mailman. <laughs> we talk to him often. You don't have to be creepy to be like Jesus. <laughs> I like to think Jesus wasn't creepy. It's pretty cool. <laughs> be an imitator of Christ and show people the light of Jesus. So many stories of how my husband can stop and just talk with someone, make the most of an opportunity. Redeem your time, make the most of the opportunities that God gave you. So that was my big so what, my main point. And now I want to give you the now what, because we don't just want to be hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. So here's what I want us to do this week. Create space for opportunity. 
And I believe that there are three kinds of people groups in here listening to this message today. And I wanna speak to each of you specifically and tell you one thing that you can do this week to help create space for opportunity. The first one is this. For, For some of you, you are so busy, you literally, what you need to do this week is just create some space. Your calendar is so full. You feel like, man, it just, it took a lot out of me to just even decide to drive to church because I got to go home, then I got to do this and that and that and that and your list seems so long, whatever. This week, you just need to create some space. You need to say no to something. You need to get rid of something off your calendar. It's okay to say no sometimes. It's okay to have boundaries, create some space for opportunity. I believe there's another group of people in here who you have some space, okay? And this is me, I'll be honest, this is the group that I'm in. You have some space, but you kind of like to do things really fast, okay? I'm the weirdo that like at the end of a vacation, we come in with our, you know, we have a kid now, just one, and it's like we got 20 bags. And I'm like, let's see how fast I can get everything out and in the laundry and put away and packed and I'll dust at the same time, you know? I'm like doing all these things. And sometimes in my go, 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 and in my fast-pacedness, I just miss opportunity. Miss opportunity to show my kid Jesus, bypass my spouse, you know, whatever, right? And so for some of you, you just need to slow down. And maybe a way that you can practice that is on the way home from church today, driving the slow lane the whole way home. For some of you, you're like, there's no way. You can do it, okay? You can do it. Only 60, I know, yeah. Or maybe you need to pick the longest line at the store. Who knows? Maybe you'll talk to the people in line, strike up a conversation, show them Jesus, imitate Christ, be like Christ. And then I think there's a third group of people who you would find that you you have some space and you don't really have any trouble with going slow, but in that, maybe you've gotten a little lazy and your time just has disappeared (laughs) into things that don't really matter, like scrolling on your phone for five hours in one day, binge watching two shows already, you know, we're only three weeks into January. (laughs) Maybe you need to just schedule some intentional time. And perhaps that looks like saying maybe from 7 p.m. after, I'm just going to turn off the TV. Maybe for 30 minutes, an hour, I'm going to put my phone in the other room. Maybe I'm going to go on an intentional date night with my spouse or take my kids somewhere, give them my undivided attention, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're going to go on a walk in your neighborhood. I know it's winter, but, you know, Minnesotans do weird things. Get to know your neighbors. Go slow, schedule some intentional time and see what God does with the opportunity he gave you. I know God's not done using you. And some of you are thinking, I can't even, there's no way that God wants to use me. Yes, he does. That's why you're here to be used by God. Now is your opportunity. Don't wait till tomorrow. Now is the opportunity. Make most of your opportunity. Redeem the time that God gave you to imitate Christ and to shine his light because it's all his. Church family, would you stand with me today? We're gonna close in prayer. And I just wanna remind you that we are now going back to having our prayer team up at the front of the altars. And so if you have a need, Listen, you, maybe you didn't listen to anything I talked about today. That's cool. You got something going on. We want to pray with you about it. 
take advantage of connecting with someone today before you leave and get prayed, prayed over. Also, just a reminder, if it was your first time here, so glad that you joined us. Check out our welcome room over here to your right, my left, through these doors. Church family, I'd love to pray with you before we go this morning. God, we love you so much and we're so thankful that you gave us time, that you gave us opportunity. God, help us to create space, to slow down, schedule intentional time so that we can make the most of our days, so that we can live wisely. Sharing people, sharing Jesus with people, shining the light of Christ to those around us. God, we give you all of the glory for what you wanna do in and through us because it's not about us, it's not for us, it's about you and it's for you. Change us, oh God, our world that is so desperately broken and lost. They need to know you, but they won't ever get that opportunity if we don't take advantage of the first of all opportunity that you gave us. God, help us, speak to us in moments, lead us to divine encounters and moments with individuals this week so that we can imitate Christ and shine your light. We love you, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.